0: Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, Wealth Activator, and today we have Jennifer Hernandez with us. After a life of child trauma, homelessness, and substance abuse, she has taken control of her own destiny and completely turned her life around. Today, with over 18 years invested in the mortgage industry, Jennifer is in the top 1% of loan officers in the entire country, a top woman originator, number one producer for FHA lending in Illinois, and also a single mother of four. Helping people with home ownership in lower income areas is her passion. And in her upcoming memoir, No One Can Stop Me But Me, she shares how she took her dark past and channeled it to her much, channeled it to much of her success. Oh my God. I just got chills. I love this. When is this going to be out? No one can stop me, but me. I'm always talking about get out of your own way, Lisa.
1: (laughs) So tell me more about this memoir. So um, it's actually on pre-sale on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, Simon & Schuster now, uh, but it doesn't come out until actually January 16th. So um, that's the day the book will drop. Awesome. And this is your story. This is my personal story. Yeah. And just as you read that, I was like, you know, I think like to me, the most important thing is like single mom of four. While well, right. all of that, I mean, that's like my greatest accomplishment by far, I would say. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I totally get that. Because when I saw single mom of four, my mom was a single mom of four. So when my oh. parents when I was like three and I had three older had three older brothers and um, it was just me. And she was an entrepreneur. She was a cosmetologist. So she did hairdressing and um, uh, makeup artists and things like that. And, um, you know, it was it was just us. And, you know, she really struggled. And we were, you know, on Medicaid. And when we first, you know, left this, I like to say, we went from riches to rags. And then back to riches because we left this big, huge four-bedroom home with a swimming pool in the suburbs and went into the city. And then we started off in this small duplex. And then she, my mom was able to work and buy a house. And we had this big old city house. And uh, of course, she got an FHA mortgage. And she you know, worked hard. And she always used to say, no matter what you do with your money, you make sure you pay your mortgage. You have a roof over your head and food on the table. And everyone else can go screw.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was like exactly my story though. So we had the four bedroom, five bedroom house, the in ground pool, lost it all. But I, the one thing I did was stay. I didn't want to go to the city, so I had to struggle and stay in the burbs, which is why I lived payday loan to payday loan to keep the lights on. Because I was also, you know, hundred percent commission field. So wow, so similar that story is. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's amazing. And being a hundred percent commission, I know we have a lot of listeners out there that are hundred percent commission. So what's your best money practice to maintain that? You know, I, my mom used to say it was feast or famine, right? It is <laughs>
1: it definitely is. It's like a roller coaster. It's constantly a roller coaster. But if you can, you know, mindset for me is the most important thing, and really investing in yourself. And I think it's a lot of things that people overlook. You know, everyone wants to buy another course and, you know, um, do those types of things. But if you invest in yourself, that's when you're really going to unlock the riches and be able to, you know, stay growing and at a, a you know, a constant upward swing. So and then the times that it's down is like the readjustment period, because right now the mortgage industry has completely like it is so low right now compared to where it was just like two years ago. Um, I was at like my heightened level of success two years ago, and now it's like platformed, but. You know, because my mindset is right, like this is a golden opportunity. I'm not like dooms gloom. I'm like, this is where I get to readjust, reset, make sure I have the right things going forward, the right team supporting me, so that way, because there's like one third the amount of loan officers there are was back in 2021. So wow. huge, the opportunity is huge, and that's where it's like very important. I feel like the mindset because a lot of people are like, oh no, what am I gonna do and I'm not scared of anything. I'm super grateful. <laughs> this yeah. is this is beautiful this time. So that's awesome. Yeah, and the opportunities that that w- did
0: people walk away from it because of the way the market has been and the interest rates?
1: Yeah, you just get burnt out and you kind of get tired. It is a roller coaster, but it's a roller coaster for every um, entrepreneur. But yeah, so in 2021, there was over 300,000 loan officers now there's less than 80,000 and that was before license renewal. So I can't wait. I bet you it's going to be less than 60. And that's so that just think about the opportunity there is because it's not going away. People are not going to stop buying homes. It's just, it slowed down because interest rates climbed so quick, right? right? 23 year high of interest rates, you know? Yeah. But at some point, we knew they had to go back up. So
0: Yeah. And they did go drastic. I remember just from we bought our house 16 months ago. And as of the recording of this, which is November 20th of 2023. And by the way, everyone, today is Jennifer's birthday. So happy birthday, Jennifer. I'd sing for you, but you'd put your hands
1: over your ears. You'd be like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: But yeah, what an honor to have you hang out with me on your birthday. That's so cool.
1: And you said this is the day
0: you started the podcast? No, that I started the podcast December 13th of 2022. Wow. So, no the um what I was going to say is the um I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. The um with the oh, we bought our house. So last so 2 years ago, we were looking at houses and the interest rates were like 2%. Wow. And then in January, we decided that we were either going to move to South Carolina or Melbourne Beach, Florida. And we started looking for houses in South Carolina. We got pre-approved for the mortgage and it was like 2.2%. And we didn't get the house in South Carolina. And then we we're like, well, do we really want to live there? We went back and forth. And then we decided that we were going to concentrate in Florida. Well, in May, we put an offer in. Again, we had pre-approval, but it was like at, we had to buy a point. It was like 4.4%. And it was just like, by the time we closed, they were creeping up to over 5% in yeah. just that short time frame. So I know they've been as high as seven and a half. I don't know if they oh, were they're, got- up oh, they're up to eight now. Oh,
1: they're, they're up to up- eight. Yeah. So, think about that. Like it went so drastic. And so everybody's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but it's because there's also a shortage of inventory. So it's a perfect storm. So they actually had to increase interest rates to slow down the market. Otherwise... There's multiple offers on every single property. So Mm -hmm. the prices are going through the roof. At the same time, interest rates are going high.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The wars, it's been such an odd market um, since the the pandemic. And I'm glad to hear that it's starting to settle down and interest rates are coming up or coming down rather. (laughs) We want those interest rates to stay stable unless we're getting interest on our savings accounts. (laughs) (laughs) We want those to go up, but we know what, what happens with that. So when you think about your money story when you were younger, what was the earliest memory that you have about money, meeting money for the first time? Me needing money for the first time meeting the, the first time you held money in your
1: hands hmm. oh that's a good question um gosh I can't I don't remember when the first time I held money in my hands was but I can say that I faked my birth certificate at um thir- I was I was 14 and I wanted a job. So I changed my birth certificate from 16 to 14. So I could legally work. Um, because I just had a hunger to be able to, you know, shop and do things that I wanted to, and I needed money for that. So, um, that that's my earliest memory. I I don't, I don't remember like what it was like when I got it finally got in my hand, but of course I just spent all my money on myself. So, it's
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people can't spend money on themselves. They feel like it's a selfish thing to do and they want to give it, well they don't want to spend it on themselves.
1: Well, that was then because I definitely, I ended up having that as an adult where I couldn't spend on myself um, because I think after kids and just doing for everybody else, you know, that as a mom, like we sacrifice ourselves for everyone, but Yeah. But yeah. I do know this though. The one thing that I always did was had, so it must've been that very young age of getting started and working and knowing what it was like to get the paycheck because the one thing that I did throughout my very, very checkered past, uh, as I always had a job because I always needed money to be able to support myself. So I always worked and had income coming in.
0: Yeah. yeah, and making sure that you were taken care of. What was it like to? be, How old were you when you were homelessness? When you were homeless, and what was that like?
1: Yeah, and so I just thought about something as you started talking. So I actually, someone brought up to me the other day. They're like, "Do you remember when you used to sell gum on the bus?" And actually, that was probably the first job before I even faked the birth certificate. Um, I used to sell gum because my dad would bring home like big old cases of gum. So I would bring gum on the bus and sell it to everybody. And <laughs> I'm like, I so forgot about that. Like I wish I would have had that in my story because I for- totally forgot about it. But um, what what was the question? I'm sorry because I, I I did want to share that gum selling story.
0: Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, early entrepreneurial mind.
1: Yeah, always entrepreneur for sure. Always thinking what's next. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So you had said that you were homeless. Tell us about oh, that. Yeah. Um,
1: so it was right after high school and I actually graduated at 17. So like it was like off and on between 17 and 19. I had a couple apartments, but they didn't last very long. It was only a couple months. Um, and then we would get kicked out and then I uh, ended up, you know, floating couches. Um, so it's very the the problem with being homeless and You know, it's easy for people to say, well, like you should still have a job because then at least you'll have money. But if you don't know where you're going to lay your head, you can't do anything. It's almost like, it's almost impossible to, to work a job or to like be doing anything that's stable because you really don't know where you're going to sleep at night. So I I really just like surfed couches, different places. And um, I did have a couple apartments in between there, but from 17 to 19, I was often on homelessness. Wow. Or
0: just like connect with friends and, and say, hey, can I crash on your couch tonight?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Or like, you know, stop. Then I would stop at my grandma's and stay there for a night. Or um, my mom was back and forth in and out of state. So like if she came back, like I might stay with her for a week, you know. Um, but it was really just very unstable. I was really just kind of living on the streets and hanging out and doing crazy things. And then, you know, when I was able to get an apartment, it was great. Um Uh, it was short-lived each time was like three months um there was they both were actually only three months so um unfortunately I wasn't living the greatest life and they were like yeah no you guys gotta get out of here (laughs) so uh I was hanging around with gangs and doing different things so people were always over and we were smoking weed and you know just it wasn't it I wasn't a a model attendant at the time (laughs) I did work. Like I I worked at that period. And then after I lost that job, it was just very, I couldn't, I was afraid to go to work because of where I was living. Like uh, the only things that I had was what was in my house. And I was afraid, like I would come home and I wouldn't have anything left. So it was very scarcity mindset at that time in my life. And, you know, really when I gave birth to my daughter, I got pregnant at 19 and she was my reason to really start changing my life.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And making that change. And how long did it take you to like, so you, you had your daughter and then you're like, okay, I'm going to get a place to live. I'm going to get stable. So what was that journey like for you?
1: So that was like my saving grace because the life I was living was going to end me up dead or in jail. And so she was really, um, she was my reason just to want to live and to, to actually care about myself and have fun. So, um, and I, And I did. So the time I got pregnant, I mean, I, I was a little bit reckless through the pregnancy. And then as soon as my daughter came, I like moved out of the city, uh, got an apartment, got a job and was just working and trying to take care of my daughter. And then shortly after, like, she was maybe like two years old, I started to dream and I started to see the life that I really wanted. And so that's one of the things that I'll say, I don't care what life you're living in now, uh, that's just because you're there now doesn't mean that that has to be where you're going to be. And if you can see the life that you desire, even when you're living in a very, very unstable situation, you can get there quicker, Um, you know, just by just by being able to see it. And I remember we were living in a two bedroom apartment and I seen the big house, the rental properties, the vacation home, the vacations I was going to take with the family And within like two years, I had all of it. So, yeah,
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. Our imagination, our visualization is so powerful and we, a lot of it dismiss dismiss it. I was taking a walk this morning and I was actually talking to God about it. It's just like, you know, people say that you could just, oh, just embrace the energy and just really feel into the moment. And I'm like, what does it even really mean? And I I was having an attitude this morning, (laughs) woke up with an attitude and, um, I started thinking like, okay, like just like being in the moment of now and visualizing, like really captivating my thoughts and saying, okay, why, why isn't it true? Like, why can't I have that? And I think about where I have been and where I, what I have done. And I've done such beautiful things. And when we moved to our home, one of the things like my, my husband and I both had our wish list, right. And I wanted to be on the water. He wanted to be on a golf course, which I did not know until after we moved in. And uh, a few years back, someone had said that we were going to live on an island. And I'm like, what island are you talking about? I'm not going to live on an island. And I could, when we, for our honeymoon, his cousin had given us a trip to Gasparilla Island. And you literally had to bring everything with you. You had to bring all your groceries, whatever you can carry onto this ferry boat to get to this island. And I'm like, that's all I could think about was like, I am not going to be that secluded, right? So, you know, fast forward, we walk and we get our dream home and I had this a picture of a house on a lake with a mountain and this a-frame it was really beautiful and that was like my on my vision board for my retirement home and so when we got this house it's like well it's not exactly it sort of looks like that but it's not exact does it have to be exact but as i walk through here and as we've been here for several months now we're on the golf course we're on the water we I, I even wanted like French doorknobs, and I have French doorknobs on every single door. and it's just like, oh, <laughs> I visualize that. So yeah, our minds are so, super powerful. It's, it's
1: it, incredible. It's incredible yeah, can- it is
0: what what we what we believe we receive, right? Mm-hmm. And when you think about um your journey into being like number one in your field and your um in your niche there, what got you started to want to be a loan officer?
1: So I, I started off in the car business and worked my way up to doing car financing. And then they fired me, which was the greatest thing they ever did because it led me to the mortgage industry. I was working like 60 hours a week. My daughter was young. It was horrible. And uh, so it led me into the mortgage industry because I was basically doing the same thing, just not for cars, for houses. So um, and then after a while, I started to notice that like a lot of my clients were very credit challenged and um because of like my life circumstances i could think outside of the box to craft, craft solutions for clients who normally would be denied from other lenders and so that became and it's funny i i didn't embrace it at first i was trying to because you know it's more difficult to to those clients the clientele is a lot more difficult a lot of times it's not appreciative how much i have to do you know to to get them done so it's 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 hard And I used, so I kind of used to fight it. And then I'm like, someone told me that you need to niche yourself. And once you niche yourself, you know, things will be like great. And so I was like, you know, what? I need to stop running from this and claim it and just be that. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I switched my mindset and I was like, I'm going to own this market because I know the reason why I can get a lot of these people done is because it's not really something I could teach, you know, it's my credit difficulties throughout my lifetime that I had to learn how to rebuild so that I was able to share that information with them you know and so then and then my strategic way of thinking to think outside of the box was how I had to live you Mm -hmm. know crafting solutions for myself so um, I really just embraced it and when I did um, it we, we became you know and I put the right pieces in place to support me because the thing is, is that we're, we're, we all have like a super strength, right? But we're not great at everything. So right. I had to figure out, like, I am not good at this part of my job, but I am great at this part of my job. So let me build in people to support me. And so I finally was able to build the system that I felt like I needed in order to thrive. Um, and I was able to do so. So that's uh, beautiful. Yeah. A lot
0: of our listeners out there have issues with credit. I, I know their credit scores are low. They've or drowning in debt, what's one tip that you can share with them that is helps them to boost their credit score so that they can get decent rates when they go to apply for a mortgage?
1: Um, yeah, so everybody's credit situation is different, uh, but just paying down, you know, credit utilization. If you don't have a credit card, you need one. It's the most important thing you have. It's also the it's something that you should maintain and keep that payment monthly. Like the most important piece of credit you have is your revolving credit because without it, there's no way to get that score to increase. So that's like the first thing that I look for. Um, And then it it just depends. But once we run a client's credit report, I can actually do simulators and tell them exactly what they need to do in order to get their scores up so that they can own if they're not ready now. Um, And because you know, because of my history, like I go above and beyond to, you know, try to craft those solutions for all of our clients
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they apply. So, um, and then, you know, home ownership, I mean, like that is, it's your savings and it's something that you need to do. So don't convince yourself that you can't, you want to, you know, find a lender like me or go onto my website at approved and apply. Um, we are in the majority of the States, Um, And if I'm not in your state, I can, I can still help you, Uh, but you can apply and I can craft a solution for you and we can go from there.
0: Yeah. I know a lot of people, like even people in my extended family that want to get mortgages and they're like, it's too expensive. There was actually a special on TV, CNN or something like that, that they said it was cheaper for people to rent than it was to buy. And I'm like, no, stop. We want to own our homes. We don't want to throw rent out the window every month.
1: So th- this is what I will say on that. Um, it's maybe cheaper right now just because of the increase in the interest rates, but the rates are going to come down. Also, when you have 20% of equity in your home, you're going to lose the PMI, which is going to lower the mortgage payment. And then it's the minute interest rates drop, you can refinance. So you can, you're can you never going to get a reduction in your rent right. and it's never going to create you a savings. Like even the last house that um I owned, I owned for like, I think I was there three, maybe four years, but I walked away with Mm $70,000. Like, where are you going to get any type of equity out of your rental position? You're paying 100%. So stop looking at it as, oh, my gosh, interest rates went from 3 to 8%. You're paying 100% being a renter. It doesn't make any sense for you to do that. And you're not saving. You get no tax benefits. Nothing you're just throwing your money away you're flushing it down the toilet and and if you look at how smart home ownership is you will see that like JP Morgan Chase just bought like a trillion in houses black all these large corporations are buying up all the homes so that you can be the renters stop it yeah. there's a reason why they're doing it it's the wealth that real estate will bring you so don't do that
0: yeah Thank you for saying that. (laughs) When I mean, when back when I was a real estate paralegal working for the bank, people were, you know, it was like the goal was homebuyers. I mean, it's the American dream to own your own home, and you know, I mean, back then the interest rates were like over twelve percent. I mean, the economy back in the nineties it was was really bad, and you know, we were in a recession and all that great stuff, which we probably are a little bit now. But, anyways people would come and get a mortgage because they didn't want to pay money in rent. They wanted to have that. And now I hear people say, well, I don't want to own a home because then I'm responsible for all the repairs and this and that. And I actually have a client who I have a couple of clients that lease homes. I'm like, why don't you buy it? Well, no, then I'm responsible for the repairs. I'm like, but it's yours. You get to own it. But I, they like, there's this mentality for a lot of people listening that like, no, I don't want to be responsible for, you know, the roof and the appliances as I want someone else to take care of that for me. So what do you think about that mindset, attitude, that yeah, process? It's, <laughs>
1: it's just a very limiting mindset. And it also depends on like to like who your family is and where if, if they are also who you surround yourself with. Um, because one of the things that I will tell you too, if you are looking to purchase and not a lot of people around you own homes, don't talk to them about it because they don't want you to have what they don't and they they're <laughs> excuse me god bless you they are where they are and you know that that's where you know that's where they're at that's not where you want to be so stick to the professionals because like i feel like a lot of people I'll get under contract especially younger people and they'll go and they'll talk to their family and they'll, they'll discourage them do not do that stick to your professionals talk to you know talk to those people and then you want to talk to people who have owned homes who can tell you the benefit of doing so. It's just a very limiting belief. I think though, this gen, there's, I think that there was a lot that happened with the crash. We They got scared and, you know, they seen a lot of people losing their homes. I lost my home, you know? So like that that was fear mindset set, it, set in from that whole uh, big downturn. But millennials are finally starting to buy. And I think what COVID did is push them out of their parents' house. Because <laughs> but (laughs) out yeah yeah um
0: two years was long enough
1: (laughs) they're starting to buy but what it is too is like these kids nowadays like they want to travel they want to like do things so I think this I think the tiny homes is going to be like the next thing Mm -hmm. um, especially for a large market because people don't want to be house poor right and um they they feel like less is more which you know I'm starting to I'm starting to feel that way myself so Uh, I love little places all over the world (laughs) versus one in one place, you
0: know? Yeah. And that's a beautiful dream to have. And, and to know, like, I know we talk about being house poor all the time because we know a lot of people who will buy these big, beautiful homes and live, you know, feeling like they're living paycheck to paycheck because they've stretched that paycheck beyond their means and a lot of entrepreneurs will do the same thing they'll expand their team they'll start you know paying for services duplicating things like that because they want to grow so fast and they want to have like that show you know to say like this is what I've accomplished but wealth is 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 a personal journey and it's definitely from the inside out and we each have our own definition of it what's your definition of wealth
1: Uh, my definition of wealth is healing and learning how to love myself and forgiving, um, because you can have all the money in the world. That doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. And there's a lot of people that have a lot of money and they are so sad. Uh, So wealth to me is happiness, love, um, yeah. And just in, in really healing, like I've been on an incredible healing journey and um, it's the most important thing to me. And I would say that like out of all of my success, the most important thing is that my 20 year olds are learning how to heal like their trauma and talk about things that may have caused them issues and really learning how to love themselves before they get married and before they have kids. So they don't have to repeat some of the cycles that I have. <laughs> so, oh, I love that breaking the generational curses. Yeah. That's beautiful.
0: And being we're every day we're on a healing journey. And I always like to say like, you know, with our relationship with money, it's so important to believe in ourselves and to think about our thoughts towards money and what we're doing with our money. So when you think about the challenges that you have faced with your finances that you have overcome, what's been your biggest triumph?
1: Um, my biggest triumph has been, you know, I'm actually super grateful that I learned how to live without it um, because, because I struggled for so long. Like being broke is like so easy for me where a lot of people, if that happens to them, their system kind of shuts down and they don't know how to operate. Um, and they, they start to live from a very scarcity mindset and chasing the money. And what you don't realize is that when, <laughs> the when you feed the, like, whatever you feed is going to grow. So if you feed the mindset of you have scarcity and you don't have money and you're chasing the money, it's not going to come mm. That's when you're able to take yourself back. And I remember when I was living like payday loan to payday loan, you know, there was a breaking point for me where I had to stop worrying about it and just trust God had me and he knew what he was doing and he was putting me through whatever he was putting me through for my evolution. And so I'm so grateful because like I can live with or without money and still be the same person. Like I'm not now don't get me wrong. Like is money is great. I love to do things. I love to have a good time, you know, go out places. But I think the greatest accomplishment for me is that when I don't have it, like I'm still, I'm okay. Like I don't lose myself. Like I'm not going backwards. Ever again, you know, where people don't realize that when when they bring that on and you know they start to feed that scarcity, it just brings more of it, and they'll stay stuck there as long as they need to until they can learn that lesson too and evolve past it. So that's what I'm grateful for. And then I, you know, each time um, you go through something, you learn how to be better with it, like a better steward of money. Um, And I would say the other thing is too is I think it's very important to give back. And to create change because this last um my last run of like my heightened level of success, it was only when I combined giving back and creating change that I was able to be so, so successful. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, combining your purpose and your passion with what you do for a living is huge and it will bring such abundance. So I do feel like I do feel like that. I love
0: that. That's a beautiful answer. When you think about managing your money, what's your favorite system to implement?
1: Uh, as far as what, what do you mean
0: managing? So, yeah, so like as a wealth activator, my clients, we create a customized wealth activation roadmap. So we have systems in place to track and to celebrate our income assets, our you know debt if they have debt, and our, our expenses are our, our you know monthly budget, housing, transportation, all of that. Some right. people use QuickBooks, some people use Excel.
1: What's your favorite way to track? Yeah, I use QuickBooks just because otherwise I'll be a mess. QuickBooks, and then you know, I I really try to have like the the savings and n- not spending and watching, you know, during difficult times. You know, watching kind of where the money is going. Um, I I was I have to tell you because I lived with such scarcity. When the money did come, I was like so frivol, I just like was like. <sighs> Here we go. You know, like we could do whatever. Cause I had lack for so long, right. That I was just like, this is just so, so, but it's funny that though, the funny thing is, is that I was like that with money, but not on myself. Like I went to go buy my first designer bag and I'm like, this is like buying a car. Like I cannot, I couldn't do it. It was um something in my mind that would just not allow me to do it. And I'm like, I have to push through this, right? Because if I can't do that, then how can I expect someone else to buy me like something like that, you know? So it was just like a limiting belief. So I actually went out and had to force myself to buy like some designer bags just so I could push through that, you know, and it felt—I I felt like I like screamed afterwards. I called my mom, I'm like I did it. I bought myself a bag, and she's like, "How much did you spend?" I'm like, "Too much," but, <laughs> <laughs> but like the fact that I was able to do that for myself—it was a part of like loving me, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though it doesn't—I don't need all of those things, you know. But um, it was just a, it was just something I had to do because I, I couldn't wrap my brain. Uh-huh you know, well, I, I totally get that. To other yeah. I
0: totally get that. We have, I, you know, my clients, I share the money multiplier system. It's a freebie that I give to whoever visits my website. And it's all about managing your money, using percentages. And the first thing we do is we tie 10%, we save 10%. And then we spend 10% of fun money on ourselves and it has to be on ourselves because we don't enjoy those things. And we tell ourselves, no, I remember when I was 13, I wanted a pair of Jordache jeans and my mom was like, no. And I begged and like, you can, my birthday and Christmas are really close. I'm like, just combine it and have dad, you know, pull everybody's money together. And, you know, back in the eighties, there were $40, which was like, you know, equivalent to 200 now. And I could not get these jeans and it was always being told, no, no, no. And even when I went on my healing journey, I wasn't spending money on myself. I was giving it to my children and all of that. But when it came to me, I'm like, no, I I wouldn't even buy myself a pair of black jeans. So I have like this $20 challenge that I have my clients do if they don't want to do 10% fund money because they're like, I'm not doing that. No. Do you know how much 10% is? (laughs) Like I'm well (laughs) aware. but treat yourself and to be able to buy that bag and and to work through that. That is incredible. That's like moving mountains when it comes to money, because we're meant to enjoy it. And like, if you're working a nine to five, you're getting a paycheck, you know, at least once a year, you might get a bonus or a, a, that a girl, you know, that a boy, you did a great job. Here's a, you know, a reward for you. And then when are you going to do it that, right? You know, most likely you're going to go treat yourself, go on vacation, do something, but you think about getting that profit. Like the profit is so much fun because we get to do something. This is us being rewarded for our good work. So I love that you pushed through all of these beautiful things. Tell us what is the best financial tip that you've ever received that's helped you get to the next level in either your business or your personal life?
1: Um, It's really just what I believe is what will be. So, you know, um, <laughs> just whoever I believe that I am is, is who's going to show up and the thoughts, um, that I carry and my beliefs are what is going to come into my life. So, you know, it's people want to say like there's some magic, you know, uh, course out there or something, but it's really not. it's really learning how to love yourself and honor yourself and, and be the version of you that, you know, you desire to be. And just, I, 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 for me, everything is going back to mindset because our our mindset is what controls it all. And also prevents it all like that little, that little devil. I mean, she's still here. She still talks to me and I, she tries to take me down her rabbit holes, but I like, get out of here. (laughs) Like, I don't have time for you. I need to stay focused on what it is that I want, you know, and always, you know, seeing, you know, doing the, manifesting and then doing the checks and see like what have you accomplished you know what what did you not accomplish this year and what are you going to do going forward you know and then also forgiving yourself for things you may have done wrong or may have not acted out of the greatest integrity for yourself or others you know and just forgiving yourself and you know resetting
0: yeah That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. It's so beautiful. and I love what you're doing. And for those of you listening, check the show notes. If you need, uh, you know, think about refinancing, buying a house, connect with Jennifer. She's your girl. And like she said, if she's not in your state, she can still help you. So remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it. Hey, hey thanks for tuning into the show give us a five-star review and share it with your friends get ready to activate wealth be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system you get to build wealth by partnering with money it's time to have fun with finances pick a date the link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it.